everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 7, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mille Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Very good. So we're into the week seven report for the ATC. Um, continued decent performance for at least one railway uh, and demands increasing. What did you see in the week seven report? Well, as you say, um, good performance for one of the two railways and CN wasn't terrible, just not as good as they have been in recent weeks, but CP certainly knocked it out of the park again. 100% order fulfillment, no outstanding orders. This is six out of seven weeks that CP has met all orders effectively um, on time, which is quite a run. A bit of a setback for CN though. Uh, you know, they dropped down to 85%. They've been, you know, 90% in North for a couple of weeks. So this is a little bit of a setback for them. One thing to note is we did see demand uh, jump up again in week seven, uh, you know, 10% higher than in week six. So came in at about 8,800 or so orders for CN and CP combined, which is the highest week um, so far this grain year. And for the first time this year, both railways with uh, shipper demand above 4,000 cars. So in the face of that demand, CP seemed to just keep rolling along. As I said, another great week, uh, but CN, a bit of a stumble. And, you know, when we look forward and we have some visibility on demand out to week nine, which is in real time this week, uh, week eight and week nine, it does not look like there's going to be any respite on the demand side. Both of them are currently looking like they're um, 9,000 plus orders per week. So if demand is CN's issue, they're not going to see any, uh, any respite from that. One thing that I would qualify that with, though, is that we have seen and continue to see um, pretty much week in and week out sizable chunks of orders uh, for both CP and CN in some cases that are being, you know, pushed out to farther weeks, um, which is really an issue of grain supply. So, you know, the elevators and the grain companies are trying to time their rail car orders based on what they think the incoming farmer deliveries are. And, you know, in conversation with a, with a grain company last week, they kind of said, we're still trying to smooth out that process. So we've been a little bit aggressive in our orders. And for that reason, they're pushing some of them out. So will we continue to see that in week eight and week nine? Probably to some extent. Question is how big? Yeah, harvest has been progressing pretty well. And, you know, once I think farmers get, get most of that in, they're going to want to deliver a bit more. So, you know, this expected demand is probably going to increase. Um, so it will be really, really important to watch how this, uh, how this, how this works out for particularly for CN, if they're already struggling a little bit now at this demand level, I mean, obviously in their grain plans, they had projected a, a certain level at which they were going to be providing cars for the sector. And it's, they don't quite seem to be there at this point. For the provinces melt, um, seems pretty good. Uh, Continuing issues with CN for Alberta. What's uh, what's happening there in the provincial performance? Um, 
Well, as you say, pretty good. Uh, CP, you know, when you're 100% on a system basis, you're good at the provincial level as well, which is the case. Um, CM, a little bit inconsistent, which is something we saw earlier in the grain year where they seem to have a hard time being good in three provinces all at the same time in a single week. And more often than not, the place they didn't do so well was Alberta. And that was the case again in week seven. So they were good in Saskatchewan, 93% order fulfillment. They were good in Manitoba, 97%. Not so good in Alberta, where they dropped down to 65%. I think they were at 90% in week six. And you know, for Alberta, it's, it's almost always an issue of the West Coast, Vancouver, Prince Rupert, and it's that again. Um, and CN, and in week seven, that was pretty much 100% of orders for Alberta shippers served by CN. And CN basically dropped the ball on, uh, you know, both those corridors for shippers originating traffic in Alberta. They only delivered 61% of orders on time for Vancouver, 73% on time um, for Prince Rupert. And it's, it's a localized issue. It's not a systemic issue with the Vancouver corridor, not based on the data that we can see. Because when you look at those two corridors more broadly, um, you know, CN fulfilled 95% of orders or more for shippers in Saskatchewan and Manitoba moving traffic in those corridors in week seven. So, you know, it's very much an Alberta thing. And when we dig into the numbers a little bit deeper, one of the things that we can see is most of what seems to be failing uh, or where CN seems to be failing in Alberta is in Northern Alberta. So when I say Northern Alberta, it's you know, north of Edmonton and up into the peace country. So everywhere from high level uh, south. Um, and they weren't very good there uh, in week seven and that really was the source of their problem. So I'm not sure if that's you know, crew issues or, or what it is. Obviously the demand is there because grain companies are putting the orders in, but CN struggled in week seven up in that part of the country. Is it potentially other other commodities uh, sort of have, have high demand in that particular area at this point? Forestry, oil and gas? It's possible. I mean, we don't have any visibility on that. So it's, you know, it would be a leap to try and figure out if that's what was causing the problem. Grain is not the only thing that moves on those lines. I mean, it's a significant portion of the traffic on those lines, but it's not the only thing. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably... Crewing issues that are the bigger problem, uh, but I don't know that, and we don't have any data that can, you know, actually support that conclusion. Yeah, and I think this this moves us into our our next topic, which is network visibility. Um, as a recap, we talked a little bit about this last week. You know, the importance of visibility, uh, exactly for this reason that we've discussed, right? If, if identifying, understanding what's happening on the rail network helps all supply chain everyone in the supply chain, all the partners, whether it's the farmer to the shipper, to the, to the port operations, have a good understanding of, of what performance is like and, and how to manage those, uh, those, those problems that do arise. Now, as we discussed, grain has good visibility, but as you also just mentioned, when it comes to other commodities, we don't know what's happening and it's really difficult to get a complete picture. Uh, there's lots of efforts underway to, to try and get that visibility um, a lot in the private sector, cameras, et cetera, GPS, uh, 
private private suppliers of these kind of things to to bring visibility to, to small chunks of the supply chain, but we don't have that full that full view of the entire rail network. Um, and what we're going to talk about this week was why why is it so difficult to do? I mean, everyone recognizes it's it's important, but we just can't seem to get there. Um, you worked with the ATC for a long time, and 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 others uh, outside the grain sector. You know, what, in your view, what, why is it uh, so difficult to, to get this kind of visibility that we need um, in, the rail, in the rail sector? A very good question. Um, you know, people have been talking about this uh, for a long time, and there has been active work, uh, not just by ATC, but, you know, other sect- private sector players, as you, as you mentioned, and government. Uh, in some respects, for for a number of years. I mean, if you want to think about the earliest um, elements of network visibility, they were also, I mean, very much focused on grain through the grain monitor, which has been around for 20 years. But in the last seven, eight years, like the uptick on interest in this subject has really picked up across the spectrum. It's not a technology issue. I mean, in the past... Uh, technology was a real barrier to delivering this kind of information in a meaningful way, um, in near real time, to facilitate, you know, visibility, decision making, those kinds of things. That's not the case anymore, really. And I mean, I think what we do with ADC, ATC, while many would probably describe it as somewhat rudimentary, it's it, and it is, it's effective. Um, and, and it frankly wasn't that complicated to build. So the question becomes, you know, why can't we get to where people think we should be? And there's a few reasons for that. Um, and I'll go through them just quickly for you. You know, if I have to bucket them, I would, I would put them in these four categories. I would say that for key stakeholders that believe this is an important topic, government, freight shippers, principally, there is a lack of agreement or consensus amongst those stakeholders about, is this required? How could it be done? How should it be done? And I'll come back and fill in a little bit there in a second. Second, and very importantly, is is the railways, frankly, while they may say different things at different times, um, are really opposed to this. Um, They're not... uh, strong proponents of letting the world in to have a better view of what's going on on their railway networks. Um, So that's obviously difficult when you're trying to put together a collaborative effort that's trying to look at the rail network if the operator of the rail or operators of the rail network are not, you know, in support of that, it's gonna be exceedingly difficult. There are commercial issues that get in the way and these are real. And in some cases they're significant, but I would say they're not insurmountable. And then lastly, there's the issue of cost, um, which ATC knows well, because this is a uh, largely a, a funded effort by ATC with, with uh, some input uh, from the government. Uh, but it's not cheap to do this um, if the railways are not playing ball, because to do it, you need to effectively purchase the data and you need to do it at commercial rates, and the data is available you know, through third-party providers. Uh, ATC sources its data from uh, RailLink, 
Um, so that is a barrier. Um, and, and it's one that has caused a lot of, you know, non-grain shippers and shipper associations to pause hard on this issue um, and kind of turn their focus on the government, believing that it's their job to do it as opposed to the job of shippers to do this. So if I could just loop back. So this idea of, of agreement or consensus, if you include the railways in this mix, they would argue that there's no need to do this. The other stakeholders have their disagreements over how it should be done, what should be included, what should be excluded, what's the kind of information that should be conveyed. You know, like when you talk about putting this kind of visibility out there, you've got to talk about time frame. So is this something people want to see in real time? Or is it like post-performance data that you see with a one week or a two week or a three week delay? What's the level of detail and what are the risks around the detail that have to be addressed? And whether or not it should be, and this has been a point of contention, particularly with the government, whether or not it should be a network-based uh, exercise or a shipper-based exercise or a combination of the two. What we do for grain is more of the hybrid model because we do, um, you know, we have visibility on, on, on the grain quote unquote network as a whole but we can also break it down by shippers and we share that information with individual shippers. But we do have to be very careful around issues of confidentiality. On the railway side, they are not fans of this exercise. Um, they participated, may still participate, I'm not sure what their status is, in the initiative that the government had started a number of years ago, the West Coast uh, Port Visibility project, which started in Vancouver, and then I think is now trying to expand to Prince Rupert, which was a multi-commodity effort that was, you know, looking at setting up performance metrics, et cetera, for traffic inbound and outbound for the Port of Vancouver. But I'm not sure that the railways are still supportive of that effort. Um, but when you get right down to it, their argument is very much a private sector argument, which says that the state of their network is their responsibility. It's really nobody else's business about how CN is running their railway and that they provide their shippers with the necessary tools and processes to communicate service issues to their customers specifically. And that frankly, nobody else needs to be able to see, let alone be able to see the broader picture. So if the railways allow that, it complicates their life because you, you, know, you, you lose control to some extent of the narrative on performance. And this is a particularly sensitive issue when it comes to discussions with regulators like Transport Canada or the CTA. On the commercial side, um, it is real. There are issues of confidentiality. There are commercial sensitivities. There are market share issues. They're not insurmountable. Um, what people need to decide is what gets uh, a light shone on it and at what level of detail and at where do those two um, issues meet that provides the best value. It's, it's not complicated to do from a technology perspective. You do, you do need to be aware of them and you do need to look after those issues. But um, I would say one of, the, one of the weaker arguments, if you will, both from the shipper side and from the railway side. 
And then lastly, it's it's the issue of cost. And you know, ATC lives this day in and day out because we have to buy the data for what we do. Um, in an ideal world, the railways would be on board with an effort like this, and they would be, you know, the vehicle for providing the data, which would obviously make it significantly more cost effective. And some would argue the data would be more accurate and more timely because it would not go through a third party. Um, but that hasn't happened. And I'm not sure that um, a strategy of pursuing the railways or pressuring the government to pressure the railways or legislate the railways to participate in an initiative like this, it hasn't been successful so far. And I don't, I don't see it yielding success in the future because um, two of the three parties are not in favor of that, uh, namely the railways and the government. So it's probably not going to go uh, very far down that road. Yeah, it's a tr it's a tricky one. I mean, a lot of these points, as a grain sector, we you know we we tackled a lot of them to to create the ATC. And you know what we're talking about now is something broader, right? When we're, when we think about where the ATC should go or how the grain sector should, should build on, you know, the, the quite good position we're in now, it, it really starts to become, how do we, how do we get visibility for the entire network? The, the grain just isn't enough. And, you know, in many ways, the, these issues, we, we, we dealt with them in the creation of the ATC and now it's just, we have to deal with them again, but just on a larger scale. Um, and as you say, governments talked about this a lot, you know, it's been, they have regulations potentially coming at some point that, uh, hopefully we'll discuss on, on the podcast when, when they show up, but they're probably not going to be what's going to solve a lot of this problem. Um, and so we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to go through it, but, um, appreciate that a lot, Mel, for the, Commercial issues, you know, we have dealt with the, uh, the the confidentiality aspect. You mentioned it's probably something that can be dealt with quickly, but um, why why do you think it does still remain? And, and what are those things? That, what, what are those things that we did to to make that um, you know that um, at least shippers and, and those in the supply chain comfortable with with a visibility program like this? Well, I think there's a couple of things there. One one is that um, the grain sector was very unified in its view of the importance of this visibility. Um, we, as you say, we took all of the necessary precautions to ensure that uh, individual shipper data or performance information would not be revealed. Um, and, you know, we bound ourselves legally um, you know, my company as, as the manager of the ATC initiative with each of those shippers individually to ensure that we did not cross those lines and to bring them a level of comfort. Now, part of the problem is that uh, shippers in other sectors are uh, concerned in part uh, because they're not as diverse, if you will, as grain. So let's take an example just really quick. The fertilizer industry is very concentrated in um, the railways networks, you know, as to where fertilizer originates and the corridors that it moves them and what shippers move their product with what railways. 
So they have uh, fairly strong but legitimate concerns about how, um, you know, performance information, say, for their commodity sector would be treated in a broader initiative like we're talking about. And it's, it's not it's not insurmountable you know you it but having said that you know humans can be very difficult to convince of something once they've set their mind on on something the railways have the same issues frankly just from the other side of the coin they're they're afraid that you know their market share in particular segments are going to be divulged or people will be able to figure it out based on what they see in, in the different types of commodity traffic moving across their network, you know, that is attributed to CN versus CP and in what corridors. And there's some very smart people out there. And granted, if you didn't do it right, somebody could probably figure it out with some reasonable level of accuracy. But having said all of that, you know, you have to first come to the table with a unified view of what you want and what is important. And I think based on my experience working with other commodity sectors on this issue through you know, a, a bunch of different channels, whether they were um, in trying to attract them to join the ATC, for instance, which we did a couple of years ago with some other sectors and uh, through the regulatory uh, stuff that, that shippers have been working on to respond to uh, ongoing government initiatives in this area. There, there is a lack of, you know, unity, for want of a better term, or consistency in what those shippers, unlike grain, and I'm not saying grain is, you know, perfectly harmonious, because they're not, and they are competitors, and they are concerned about similar issues. But as a group, they've come together, and they've kind of said, you know, at this level, we're all on the same page. So now let's make sure that, you know, nobody's dirty laundry gets, gets publicized. But in other sectors, I don't, my sense is based on the work that I've done that that unity within commodity groups does not necessarily exist. And that's a problem because, um, you know, it's if you want to, just to pick an example, um, you want to attract the forest products sector or the mining and metals sector to join an effort like this. If you don't get the critical mass of that industry, let alone all of it, um, to participate, it's not going to give you the picture that you want when you, you know, turn the light on for visibility on traffic. That's what we suffer from in grain today. We, have, we can see lots about grain. We know where all the cars are pretty much every minute of every day, where they're going, who's moving, who's not, in some cases, what trains they're on, but we don't know anything else. And grain is only 20% or less of the traffic moving across the railway network. And if one thing is, is common to railway networks, it's that they are shared asset networks. So grain is using the same train crews, the same locomotives, in some cases, the same cars, and certainly the same track capacity as all those other commodities that we can't see. So we can see when service is good for grain, we can see where it's good, where it's not good, we can see when those things happen, but we have no context whatsoever 
within the broader performance of the network to understand why performance might be what it is. Um, and, and that really is the push behind broad multi-commodity sector visibility across the network because each piece of traffic impacts the other because they're all competing for the same railway assets. So if you only see a tiny sliver, you don't see much um, with respect to understanding how the network as a whole is performing. Yeah, and it feels like, I mean, we've been doing this for a while, definitely working with a lot of commodity groups for, for a few years on this. And and I think all, as you mentioned in the past few years, it's just the, 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 the thinking around it and the focus on this particular issue around visibility performance measurement is, has grown a lot. You know, we haven't quite got where we need to be as we were talking about, but, but it feels like we're on the way. So it's definitely going to be some work ahead of us to, to get over some of these hurdles. But um, I think it, it, it seems like it's in a good place going forward. And we'll, we're, we'll definitely, uh, as a focus for, for the ATC and for, for others out there, other commodity groups out there, it's going to continue to be the focus to try and get this uh, broad ba- broad-based uh, measurement system. So we don't, don't just have the slivers as you described it. So, well, thanks a lot, Milt. Really appreciate uh, your insights on this topic. I'm sure we'll be picking it up again uh, as the grain year progresses. Um, for those of you who would like to see the Ag Transport Coalition uh, reports, go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we'll talk to you all next week. Music.